Those all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they say such things declare plainly that these they seek a country, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had the opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly, whereof, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Please turn with me to verse, um, Hebrews 11, verse 39 through 40. All of these people we have mentioned received God's approval because of their faith. Yet none of them received all of God's had promised. For God had far better things in mind for us than would also benefit them. For they can't receive the prize at the end of the race until the final race. Please turn with me now, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beseed us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the sin, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is God's holy word. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. If you're wondering why the translation seemed a little different, Brad loves to read from the King James Version, so we got to get a little the old King James Version. I like that doth and thus and therefore. Uh, we, we typically read from the ESV, but it's good to mix it up a little bit here this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you once again this morning for the chance to pray to you, to worship together, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for faith. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. I pray, Lord, in this moment as we look at your word, that the truths that we've been learning from your word, that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, that your word will not return void, God. I pray, Lord, that you would open up the eyes of our hearts and the word that you would have for us, that we would receive it, that we would be a people that don't merely listen to the word and deceive ourselves, but that we would do what it says. So we ask for your strength, we ask for your wisdom and discernment as we look upon your word. We pray that your spirit would illuminate these words, that they would come to life, that you would speak into this present age. Thank you, Father God. Pray this together in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our King. Amen. This morning, we are continuing our series looking at the book of Hebrews. If you were here last week, 
our elder, Brian Mott, shared with us this idea, this principle and reality as Christians of being a people of faith, in particular of faithing, about how we are a people that have a faith that is active and constant. And today we're going to be continuing this idea of living by faith as we walk down the, not the hall of fame, but the hall of faith. And we look at the people of faith and seek to learn from the ancestors of our faith that we've read about, that we've, if you've grown up in Sunday school, that you've learned about, and to see how they can speak into our day today. And as we get after this, I believe that the main idea from this text is simple. Here's the main idea that we want to walk out with today. No matter the outcome... Live by faith, people of God. No matter the outcome, live by faith. I don't know about you, but for me, I find myself oftentimes feeling anxious about the outcome of certain things. For example, today there's a football game going on. And the Lord's team, the 49ers, are going to be playing the Seattle Seahawks. And unfortunately, there's somebody on our church staff who has not repented of the ways of the Seahawks, Pastor Doug, and they are undefeated, and we have had to live with the torture of Doug constantly reminding us of who's in first place. And I am anxious that today, maybe I could send a pastoral text to Doug of comfort and, um, and, and reminding him um, of just who really is the best um, so I'm anxious for that outcome. Maybe we have some Dodger fans in here that maybe experienced some anxiousness for a World Series with an asterisk uh, uh, championship. Maybe we had some of that. Or maybe the elephant in the room, who will be our president? What will the outcome be of our nation? What will the outcome be of of, of, of the government officials that are elected. And there's this anxiousness, and sometimes even with this anxiousness, this division and this frustration and these emotions, and it's like I don't even know how to feel. It seems to me, overall, as we navigate this together, church, I want you to hear this. No matter the outcome, live by faith. No matter the outcome, live by faith. I believe this is what God has for you and me and what he has for the, the audience from Hebrews that we read about, what it means to live by faith. And so he's going to be looking at this and making this statement here by going down, as I alluded to, the hall of faith. Not the hall of fame, but the hall of faith. And we've been looking at all of these ancestors of our faith. If you grew up in Sunday school, you read about them in Genesis and Exodus and Samuel and the prophets. And this author of Hebrews has a wonderful understanding of the Old Testament. And a wonderful understanding of the ancestors of our faith. And so first here, he's going to talk about three things 
to do with the ancestors of our faith that, that, that are negative. Three things that they were not, and then two things that they were. If you could, look at me first at verse 13 of chapter 11. First, as we're thinking about what it means to have to live by faith, we learn about our ancestors, this. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them, some translations say, saluted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. First thing the author wants us to understand as we look back at the ancestors, and in this particular circumstance, he's talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, the man who God called and said, I'm going to call you to go to a new land. You're going to leave this home, and I'm going to give you a new home, a promised land. And you must go on this journey of faith. And there's this theme, this motif throughout this story, throughout the people of God, the ancestors of our faith, there's this truth. Even when they get to their land, hear this, the ancestors of our faith were not citizens of the country they lived in. They were not citizens of the country they lived in. In other words, as they were traveling, they had this longing of the country that was promised to them. Notice here the author of Hebrews says that this longing that they had was was for something not of this earth. There was this longing in them. They were not citizens of the country they lived in. But second... They were not content with the country they lived in. In the next verse, we see here the author gets after this point. He says this. He says, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. So not only were they strangers and exiles, Some translations would say aliens. They were in a place that was not their home. They were longing for something better. They also made it clear that they were not of this world, that they were not of this place. They were not content. And I think this is important. They knew that there was a way that they were called to walk. That knowing that they weren't of this country at that time, their country, their citizenship had a way of living that spoke into where they lived. And so there was this discontent with where they lived and there was this representation that happened amongst them where they understood that even though they didn't live in the even though they weren't citizens of the country they lived in they lived in it and they had purpose and meaning where they were they still had a call they still had a way to live wherever the lord led them they were not content with some of the other ways that ran contrary to the ways of the Lord. We also see that the ancestors of our faith were not yet citizens of the country they sought. This is why in the next verse, 
In Hebrews chapter 15, the author tells us that, they had, that if they had been thinking of the land which they had gone out from, they would have had the opportunity to return. He's saying, even the land that the Lord called them out of, that was not their home. The Lord was calling them to something better. Going back to Abraham's original land, that was not where he was calling them. He was calling them to something better. He says, but as it is, they desire, and hear this with me, think through this with me, they desire a better country. Amen? But that better country is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. They will have a home. But they desire a better country. So we know that the ancestors of our faith, as we're thinking about what it means to have faith no matter the outcome, we recognize with the ancestors of our faith that our citizenship is not of this world. That we are not content with the, the country we live in and the ways of this world, but also that we are not yet there. But what were they? What about the positive side of this? The ancestors of our faith, as we look at this text, he then goes on this hall of faith, and he looks at Abraham and, and, and Isaac and, and the story of Moses and Joshua and Rahab. And then he goes in and, 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 and starts talking about, look at verse uh, 32, as he's, as he's talking about the faith of all of these stories, these narratives, he says, what more shall I say? For some would fail, fail me to tell of Gideon, the great judge, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. And so we see, it's like we're going back down Sunday school hour and reading all of these stories. And he's saying all of these ancestors of our faith, in verse 39, he's basically summarizing their faith. Look at what he says. And all of these, though commended through their faith, they did not receive what was promised. They had not received what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made Perfect. Now, church, as we think about this, this is how we enter into the story. You see, the ancestors of our faith were, by their faith, credited the better country. Credited, like a credit card. You, you, when you pay with a credit card, it says, that will come to pass someday. That will be paid. We know earlier they talk about Abraham was credited by his faith. And all of these ancestors, they had faith that was credited to them that one day they would be in the better country. And I love this in our reading plan this week. We got to watch a video about the stories of the narratives and, and what sets God's people apart from all the other stories. You see, in the Christian tradition... Our heroes are still human. 
And unfortunately, when our heroes are human, they sin and they mess up. And so as we follow and watch these stories, this hall of faith, we know that even Moses was a murderer. We know that David committed adultery and murdered. We know that Noah was a drunkard. And yet, what identifies them is their faith is in the midst of their fallenness, in the midst of their depravity, they would fall on their knees, turn to God, and say, I trust you. And say, I trust that you will one day bring me to the better land. I trust that one day you will make all things right. I trust that even despite my own unbelief, even despite my own sin, You are God and you are good. And the author of Hebrews wants us to know that they were credited the better country, but we join in that the ancestors of our faith were with our faith welcomed to the better country. Welcomed to the better country. Look at what it says here in verse 40 at the end of this. This is a pretty mind-blowing statement. Since God has provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. This idea of this perfected faith, our faith in Jesus in the new covenant, after the cross, Christ died on the cross for our sins so that we could have eternal life, so that all could be made right, all could be made perfect. We then join in with those whose faith was credited into the new way into, hear this, the better country. We experience on earth as it is in heaven with the ancestors of our faith this already not yet reality. We join in to this. And so from there, the author, I feel like he breaks out in song. I feel like he's thinking about these stories of the authors, the the ancestors of our faith, and thinking through this. And then he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, in verse 1. And the idea of witness here is not like, since we got all these, you know, Abraham and Elijah and all these guys watching us. That's not witnesses. This is like a courtroom witness. This is like, I see they are witnesses of faith in the Almighty God. They are witnesses for us and our faith of what it looks like to believe in the Almighty God when we are unsure of the outcome. Even in the midst of death. To celebrate with the martyrs, with those that would sing to Jesus Hymns of praise as they're being burned at the stake. To see that we join in that faith. Therefore, no matter the outcome, as we reflect on this, as we join with Abraham and Elijah and Rahab, Ruth, we join in faith, my hope is that we would say, by faith, I, and if you could just write your name there, 
Don't write your name. Write, like, I would write Logan. This seems to me, as we read through this chapter, you see time and time again the author here saying, by faith, Noah, by faith, Moses, by faith, Abraham, by faith. And then he gets to 12 and he starts singing. And I think, I know he wants me to say, by faith, Logan, what do I do? Let us therefore lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. In light of the fact of what Christ has done for me, that I have been welcomed into the better country, his kingdom, Lay aside. What are those things that entangle you? What are those things that as you think about how things may turn out, slow you down? Maybe anxiousness? Perhaps worry? Maybe sin? Maybe my own pride and arrogance, thinking I can do this on my own. Jesus is just my backup plan. But I feel like, you know, I'm a proud American. I got this. American dream. Work hard. I'll get all this. Just lay aside every weight and sin that entangles me. Therefore, by faith, I, Logan, will lay aside every weight and sin that entangles me. But I don't just lay aside those things. I don't just, like, prepare for a run and put on my shoes and put aside the things that entangle me. He says, let us then run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Let us run. And as you run, by faith, where are your eyes fixed? Looking to Jesus, the author, the founder, some translations would say the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. See, not only do we lay aside, we also run, and hear this, run the race that Jesus ran for you. How did I say that? We live by faith, by running with endurance the race that Jesus ran for me. Yes, that's it. This is why he says, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In other words, as I think about living by faith, Christ already ran the race. It's already been done. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left its crimson stain, countless white as snow, because of him. When it talks about the author and perfecter of our faith, the author here is telling us that Jesus was there in the very beginning and he perfected. Notice the word perfected we just saw at the end of chapter 11. God would make it perfect 
As Nathan prayed earlier, we recognize as Christians that Christ is the one who gives us our faith. So no matter what what the outcome may be, we must be a people that live this out. We must be a people that say, Jesus has ran this race for me. I'm going to live by faith, and I'm going to run. I'm not going to sit on my hands. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to run for him. So the question we ask is how? Do we live by faith no matter the outcome? I get it, Logan. Here you go again. But how? How do we do this in the age that we live in? We are so connected. Oh, there's so many voices coming at me. It is so difficult to stay focused on this run. How do I live by faith no matter the outcome? Well, I think a few things I want to share with you to help you and me through this. First, we live by faith with grateful hearts, representing a better country in this country. Grateful hearts. Hearts that have been saved by a Savior. Hearts that serve Jesus as Lord. And no matter what would happen in this country, we believe that we represent a better country, a heavenly country. Look at what it says here in 1 Peter. I want to remind you of this from God's word. As we think about elections, as we think about who the next president may be, I'd encourage you to think about your election. Look at what this says here. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, a people for his, God's own possession, that you, here's some purpose, may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people. But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, here's this language again, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, to lay that aside which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the judgment among the Gentiles, honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. As the world looks at us, church, may they see the better country. As the world looks at us, may they see a people that represent Jesus and his kingdom. As the world looks at us, may they see a people that follow the ways of Jesus. Ways like this in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son, think about who's in control here, He makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. 
represent the better way, represent the better country, represent the better sacrifice, represent Jesus to a world that is in desperate need of a Savior. Second, we live by faith in our covenant family, reminding one another who we are in Christ. There are so many voices screaming at us, telling us who we are, telling us what is right and what is wrong, telling us, trying to write our narrative, and we must be a people that continue to write the story of God and remind each other of who we are. I love it in Philippians chapter 3. Paul's writing to the church. Look at this. Once again, you're going to see this language of who we are. Look at this in Philippians chapter 3. If I can find it. It says this. Brothers, sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to this example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Remind each other who we are. You are adopted. You are reconciled. You are redeemed. You are a child of the Most High. That that shame, that sin, that evil, that is not who you are. So don't live in that. Third, we live by faith as walking embassies, feasting together in the already not yet better country. That's a handful. Let me unpack that for you. Why do I talk about walking embassies? I love this imagery. You see, if you were to travel to China and you were to walk in the U.S. Embassy, you know that once you stand into that embassy, you are actually on U.S. territory in that embassy. That now the laws and the ways of U.S. govern that territory. And did you know that we as Christians are filled with the very Spirit of God? We are told that we are temples of the Most High, that we are walking embassies. And therefore, we get to have these moments when we experience heaven, the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. This is why when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
This is why we have the Lord's Supper, this sacrament, when we eat together. This is what we feast together. And when we eat of the bread and we drink of the cup and we have this feast together, it is truly meant to be this sacred feast that God's people have together where we commune with Christ and commune with each other and remember what he has done and we also hope of a feast to come. We long for a home that we are going to. We long for a day when all will be made right, when all justice will be served and vindication will be had and we will get to sit and feast with the Lamb and this will be true. Read with me, Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, sorry, and I saw a holy city of New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and, we, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And hear this, church. Hear this, bride of Christ. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Amen. This is what we feast in and long for. And finally, as you reflect on this with me, we recognize also that we live by faith on an immigration mission, invitation to the nation. Here's what I mean. All are invited to faith in Jesus Christ. All are invited to experience earth as it is in heaven through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And as we live here in this country of a better country, we also have marching orders. We also are a sent people. We also are a people with a mission. And did you know that Jesus prayed for you and me in this mission? Did you know that he prayed to the Father for us that we would be strengthened, that we would embrace what it means to be of another country, to be of a higher place, and to live in that reality on earth as it is in heaven. Did you know this? If you didn't, I would encourage you to go read John chapter 17. I want to read a little bit of it to you. Look at this if you can in your Bibles. John chapter 17. The high priestly prayer, remember we talk about Jesus is the better priest. He is our high priest. This is his prayer, and he said a prayer here in verse 13 I'd like to share with you. He says, he's talking to the Father. He says, but now I am coming to you, Father. 
And these things I speak in the world, that they, that's me and you, may have my joy found, fulfilled in themselves. Think back to what we just read in Hebrews. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Think of the faith of the fathers who in death died and their faith was credited to them as righteousness. Think of the faith that in the coming chapter of those that are promised persecution, that are promised suffering, that are promised hardships, the faith is a faith that is joy, the joy of my salvation. Read on. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world. They are not of this country. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Brothers and sisters, there is an evil one who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for those to devour. There is an evil one who desires to divide and distract his church. There is an evil one who will speak lies to cause brothers and sisters in Christ to have hostility and animosity towards each other, but Jesus prays. They are not of the world. This is I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, here it is, so I have sent them into the world. For their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Church, we are a people that live by faith. We are a people that have been incredibly blessed to live in the country that we live in. That have been so incredibly blessed to live with liberty and freedom. I want you to hear this. I want to be reminded of these truths that we are of a better country. I've seen signs that say, Jesus is my savior so-and-so is my president or whatever that may be. I would caution us against that kind of statement. I would cause us to say, Jesus is my savior and my Lord, my leader. No matter what, we serve him. And we may have anxiousness about the outcome. We still must do our due diligence. We still must not be content with the place that the Lord has put us. We still must, as pilgrims in this world, live in the ways of this world and contend for life and contend for the ways of Jesus. But we keep our eyes fixed on him. And no matter the outcome, we run with endurance, right? No matter the outcome, we run with a joy in our hearts with a gratefulness in our hearts and an invitation to others to see. No matter the outcome, we represent Jesus. We represent his ways. So may we embrace that and sing of that and may we feast in that truth this morning. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you. 
Thank you for this reminder that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. You give us our faith. You perfect our faith. You have walked where we, where we would like to walk, Lord. We pray that you would keep us in your ways. We pray that you would lead us in your ways. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we would continue to be a people that know that we are not of this world. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you For this country, we praise you and we thank you for the joys of our liberty and our freedom. But we also pray, Lord, that you would continue to have your way. We pray, Lord, that we would continue to be known as people that are of faith. That we would continue to be known as people that represent a greater country. And we pray, Lord, that you would get so much glory in all of this. And as we prepare our hearts to commune together, we pray, Lord, that you would break in on earth as it is in heaven. We love you. We give you all the praise. Amen.